verse 12. We'll go ahead and pray and ask for the Lord's blessing, and then we'll read our scripture together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to gather around your word. We thank you for it, and we pray that we would not take it for granted, the privilege we have to have it in our hands and to hear it today. Pray that you would, by your spirit, work through it, work through the preaching of your word now in each of our lives to sanctify us together, that we might love you more, obey you more, and be nearer to Christ through your word today. We ask for your sake that you would do it. Amen. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That's the word of God. Well, we live in a time in which the dishonoring of parents is becoming increasingly commonplace. If you go out to the grocery store or a number of public places today, you will be a witness to In many cases, young children blatantly disobeying their parents without any fear at all of discipline. Teenage rebellion is seen as a normal and accepted stage of life, as an accepted and good normal thing. And our society perpetuates such dishonoring through public school culture, popular music, media, social media, and the like. But when young people are trained by society and trained by adults in society to dishonor their parents, it is not a switch that is so easily turned off when adulthood is entered. The elderly, thus, as we see today, are continually more and more pushed to the corners of life and society, often treated as unwanted burdens for someone else, just not me to take care of. Society is built for the young individual, not for the family, not for consider, not in consideration of the aged among us. The result of this is societal instability, chaos, and disorder. As John MacArthur says, the key to societal stability is reverence and respect for parents and their authority. The dishonoring of parents has resulted in such tragedy because at the heart of dishonor of parents is dishonor of God. Disregard for parents is disregard for God's word and God himself. Such disregard does not make for God's blessing on a people. And we're beginning to see that removed from us. One of the reasons for this rebellion against God that uh, comes in the form of dishonoring parents is because the modern man is bought into the lie of egalitarianism and has rejected the God-ordained hierarchy, which is built into the fabric of human life. Hierarchy, by today's standards, is seen as an injustice, uh, as something to be toppled or replaced with equality across the board. But hierarchy is clearly implied not only throughout the Bible and in creation, but in this commandment to honor your father and mother, hierarchy is implied. It implies that there is a natural authority in your life which you did not choose, for which uh, you were born into, like it or not, and which God placed over you. So if hierarchy is seen by uh, modern standards of righteousness or Marxist movements or things like that, 
If it's seen as an injustice to that, then there, that means the modern man who buys all that must then dishonor his parents. That's the just thing because that topples the hierarchy. And that is why we see dishonor of parents not only just allowed, but it's encouraged in so many ways in our society. It must be encouraged if hierarchy is bad. We see this in the elevation of children. In our society, their desires and their wants control the decisions and the parenting of their father and mother. They're the ones in charge now. The public schools perpetuate the dishonor of their parents in extreme but real ways that are happening in our state, even in places right here where we live, in schools right here where we live. The schools encourage the children, the students, in so-called gender transitioning without the knowledge and permission of their parents. Why do they do this? Because that's what justice is to them. And they have this egalitarian mindset. And this has led only to devastation, heartbreak, and skyrocketing suicide rates, or in other words, short lives. Now, we also know that a big reason for this happening today is because parents themselves have refused to discipline their children in a godly manner. They've refused to take their children out of the public schools that they say they disagree with so much. They've refused to raise their children in church. They have taught their children to dishonor them by dishonoring their own parents. They've refused to stay faithful to their spouse and have lived a generally unhonorable life. Abortion culture teaches that parents have no obligation to their children. Therefore, why would the children have any obligation to the parents if they survive out of the womb? But despite those reasons for why we are where we are today, we want to concern ourselves today with just this command on the part of those who have a father and mother. The command to honor your father and your mother Because one person's sin does not justify another person's sin. So just because parents have dropped the ball in so many ways and their parents does not make it okay that children can still dishonor their parents. Typically, when we think of the command to honor your father and your mother, we think just in our minds of this is a command for little children. This is a command that tells children to obey their parents. And while that is absolutely true and included in this command, the command to honor your father and mother goes beyond just the obedience of little children to their parents. This command is for both children and adults of all ages, whoever has a father and mother, whoever has parents. In fact, some commentators and theologians, if you read them, will argue that this command is actually primarily about the responsibility of adults to honor their aging parents. So not only do I want all the kids to listen close today, but this is just as much for all of us here, all all the adults, all of us as well. So we have this command to honor your father and mother. What does it mean to honor your father? What does honor mean in this context? When we think of honor, we probably think of kind of a modern dictionary definition. We think of respecting uh, someone. We think of holding someone in high regard or esteeming someone highly. And while that is true, I would say that's, that's definitely part of it. 
uh, the more biblically we can define and understand the Bible's own terms, uh, the better and the closer to the mark we'll be here. And so when we look at that and consider that reality, the Hebrew word for honor is the same word used in the Old Testament from which we get the word glorify. Uh, This also comes from the same word as weight. You've probably heard people talk about how glorify in the Hebrew means weighty or of weight. And this is the same root word which we get the word translated as honor here. So if the command to honor your father and mother conveys this idea of glorifying your father and mother or considering them giving them weight, give, give weight to your honor mother. If that's implied in this command to honor, then what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, think of all the different ways that the Bible talks about glorifying something or someone. Um, it, for example, you have in the Psalms, uh, it talks about the heavens declare the glory of God. So creation glorifies God. Or decla- it's declaring his glory. Um, You have the Proverbs, which talk about it in various ways. One proverb says that the glory of young men is their strength. Um, You have uh, Jesus in the Gospels. It talks about how Jesus is the son who glorifies the father. Jesus, the son, glorifies the father. Or 1 Corinthians 11 says that man is the glory of God and that the woman is the glory of man and that the long hair of a woman is her glory. So to glorify, when we see it used throughout the Bible, conveys this idea of someone or something showing, telling, reflecting, displaying, proclaiming the glory, the weight, the value, or the worth maybe of that person or thing that's being glorified. It's a way that it's exclamation marks on the person or thing being glorified. So in a similar way, we understand that children, little children especially, are just little reflectors of their parents. They're little glorifiers of their parents, either for good or for bad. Looking at someone's children generally will tell you a lot about their parents. Uh, They're little reflectors, little glorifiers of their parents. They show you something about their parents. This uh, reality that we all know is true might also be part of the reason, it, it might also get at the heart of the modern egalitarian impulse today. Because parents don't want the weight, they don't like the reality of that uh, children reflecting them. And so, therefore, if you don't like that, then you have a need for this radical egalitarian individualizing of children to where. They're completely their own. They're not me. They're not little reflectors of me. And so you separate, you, you, you tear apart the natural relationship of children and parents. But having said this, the Bible here and elsewhere, many places, positively commands us to honor our father and mother. It doesn't just talk about this command, just that natural fact of how, yeah, we show what our parents are like, our children show. But we're positively commanded to honor our father and mother. So this means that we're not to passively just go about reflecting our parents for good or for worse, for better or for worse, but we're to actively, proactively 
show honor to them. In God's hierarchical world, we owe our parents honor simply because of the position and the place that God has put them in in relation to us, to us, which is to say over us in authority over us. Honor, then, is not just for the very best of parents or the parents who really do a good job and deserve it and have earned it. But all children are called to honor their parents because of the position that God has naturally placed them in over us. So practically, how do we honor our parents? How do we do that? There are three overarching ways that we see in the Bible that I want to talk about today, which have all sorts of practical outworkings. So as we go through these three main ways that we honor our parents, you might think of all sorts of other applications that I don't mention today. So that might be, it might be a good topic of discussion in, in your home this week, possibly. But the first way that we honor our parents, and these are things that we see in the Bible, and I'll, I'll show you them. The first way we honor our parents uh, is by praising them. Now, certainly I don't mean that we worship our parents. That is not what I mean by praising them. We just talked about last week how we're to have no other gods before Yahweh and we're to worship only God. So we're not to worship our parents, but there's a lesser way in which we honor our parents by praising them. So, for example, to show you what I mean, how do you talk about your parents to others? How do you talk about your parents, Um, kids or teenagers, boys and girls? How do you talk about your parents to your friends? Do you complain about your parents to your friends? Do you talk bad about your parents to your friends? If you do that, that is dishonoring to your parents. You're dishonoring your parents if you are talking bad about them to your friends. No matter the disagreements, even as older children, as adults, no matter the disagreements we might have with our parents, even over very important and serious things, even when we are right, we should not talk bad about them behind their backs or to others or even even to their face. There's a respectful, honoring way to talk and disagree with our parents. One place we get this idea is Proverbs 31, verse 28. Proverbs 31, as you know, speaks about this godly woman, the Proverbs 31 woman. And this is what verse 28 says. It says, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. So obviously the husband's not worshiping her. The children aren't worshiping her, but they're honoring her. They're rising up and speaking honorable things about her and to her. The Proverbs 31 woman is a woman who is honored by her children. They rise up, they call her blessed. Even though your mother might, probably does, fall short in many ways, it is honoring to speak about her, to speak to her about all the positive ways that she's cared for you, she's loved you, and just for the fact, even if she's done a really bad job of those basic things, just for the fact that she is your mother. It's honoring to talk rightly in a blessing way toward her or about her. That should certainly be how we publicly speak about our mother and our father. But it's also how we should speak in the home, in their presence, in the presence of the whole family. 
Uh, for example, I think it's a really good practice to regularly thank your mother or husbands, thank your wives your, your, uh, for the meals she makes in the home or the things she does to take care of the house. Um, we should be doing that every, every time. Honoring father and mother should not just be a public display, but it should be a practice in the home. We're to honor father and mother, and there's no qualifier when you're in public. But it's just you're flat out supposed to honor your father and your mother. Even if you don't like the food, it's good anyway to thank her for her work. In the proverb that we read, we also read how the husband, and not just the children, but the husband praises his wife as well. So I think it's very important considering this for us dads to model this to our children, how we honor the women in our home. Uh, we should, uh, how we honor our mother, how fathers, we should teach our sons how to honor women in general, how they honor their sisters, and how they honor specifically their mother in their home. And I think it's especially true for boys because it's a common temptation or can be more common for boys to be tempted to disrespect their mothers. And so fathers, they, you cannot allow this in your home. You cannot allow your sons to, to be, think it's okay to dishonor or disrespect their mother. And all of this, and so, so fathers need to take the lead in training and teaching and modeling for your sons and your daughters how to honor their mother. All of this as well goes for the father as well. Wives, how do you talk about your husband? Um, or to him, whether it's in front of him or in front of the kids. Um, do you show him honor as the head of the home? Or with your words, do you undermine his authority in front of your children by complaining about him or talking negatively or, or acting on a different standard when the father said, no, I don't want this to happen. Do you then undermine that and secretly let it happen? How do you do that in front of your kids? Are you teaching your kids to honor their father or you teach them to dishonor him by yourself, dishonoring him? Or how do you talk about your husband to other women? Do you complain about him or do you show him honor? Women especially, we see in the Proverbs, women especially have the power of, of persuasion and the power of words that can literally build or tear down their home. And so it's very, very important. So that's the first way that we can honor our father and mothers by praising them. How do we talk about them in the home or outside the home? A second way that we honor our parents is by listening to them and hearing their words and listening to their instruction. This is basically the whole refrain of the, of the book of Proverbs. My son, listen to my instruction. That's what the whole thing is about. Listen, my son. The first place that this happens, obviously, is by children living in their home, in the parents' home, when the, uh, where they're required to obey their parents. Simple obedience. As Paul says, quoting this commandment in Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. So, the very first and most fundamental way we listen to our parents is for boys and girls is by obeying them. Very simply, just doing what your parents tell you to do in the Lord, obeying them. It's your first responsibility to God and to your parents is to obey them. 
But for adults who are out of their parents' home, in their own households, we obviously don't obey our parents in the same way. And yet, we still show them honor. We still ought to show them honor by listening to them. This doesn't mean we obey them in everything they say, but it means we give weight and we give respect to their counsel when we talk to them on various matters. We give weight to it because they're our parents who raise us, that God put over us in our lives. And so when, they, when we talk about things with them, adult matters with them, the big decisions with them, even if we don't end up agreeing with them or don't end up doing what they say, especially if they have a different worldview, we shouldn't. But it is still honoring to them to listen to them, give weight to the counsel and the things that they say. That is a way that we as adults can honor our parents even when we don't do what they have recommended. We still give weight and respect to the conversations we have with them. A third way, then, that we can honor our parents is by serving them. There are many ways, this is beyond just simple children obey your parents. There are many ways that children in the home can serve their parents beyond that simple obedience. It is honoring to parents for children to think of ways that they can proactively serve and help their parents without being asked or without being told. So, boys and girls, that's something you should think about and strive to do in your home. It's a way you can honor your parents because honor means more than just obey. Honor goes above and beyond. What things can you do in your house to help out without being told to do it that you know would be good? So, older children, maybe you have older girls and yet you're still having little children, they can help with the babies or they can help with mom's tasks uh, as she takes care of the little ones, things like that. Sons can help their fathers with yard work or various things as they are able to do it. For adults, we also never grow so old that we cannot honor our parents by serving them. And especially so, the older we get, the more able we are actually to serve them. And indeed, have an obligation to serve them in their old age, in their infirmities. Consider uh, 1 Timothy 5, if you want to look there. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 3 to 8. 1 Timothy 5, beginning in verse 3. This is what is written here in the Apostle Paul. He says, Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Then he goes on to give instructions for taking care of widows and so forth and showing honor to the aged. But what we read here, while while we see that it's the church that's called to take care of widows, we're told that the first line of responsibility for that, the first people who are responsible to take care of widows, are that widow's children or grandchildren, if she has any. 
Paul says that doing so, that the children and grandchildren taking care of their mother or grandmother, he says that is showing godliness to their own household. And he even talks about it in saying it's making a return like a prophet to their parents. For all the care that our parents give to us as babies and children growing up, it's the least that we can do to care for them in their old age. Paul says that this is pleasing in the sight of God. Do you want to please God? Then take care of your family as they have need. He says anyone who doesn't do this, take care of his own relatives, especially his own household. Very strong language is worse than an unbeliever. So Paul is saying essentially that it's basic Christian duty and basic godliness 101 to care for our parents who need it. If we don't understand that or rebel against that, we are rebelling as basic Christian responsibility. Certainly, as we know, there are situations we can find ourselves in, especially in our society and especially with unbelieving parents or family or different worldviews. There are situations which prevent us from being able to do so as we would like to do. But nevertheless, this is a general thing that if we are able to do it, do it. We, we ought to. Consider also Jesus' words to the Pharisees in Mark chapter 7. If you want to look there, Mark chapter 7, verse 8 and following. Jesus here is speaking to the Pharisees, and he says, Mark 7, verse 8, You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. So Jesus is accusing the Pharisees of rejecting God's commands and holding to the traditions of men. What is that? What is it? the traditions of men? He's talking about in the commands of God. He's saying they've left. Verse 9, he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. So the Pharisees had broken the commandment to honor their father or mother. Jesus directly quotes it from Moses. They, they had broken it by this man-made tradition that was masked in this very religious, pious-sounding language of serving God. They're, they're saying, look, we've given all these things to God. Therefore, we don't have anything to give to our parents who actually need it. And Jesus condemns them for it. He says, that's hypocrisy. That's not true religion. He says, essentially, that you have broken this basic commandment of caring for your parents and you've cloaked it in language of serving God. Therefore, you have actually disobeyed God. He says it's hypocrisy to do this. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, you're breaking the fifth commandment when you do this. And so Jesus there clearly teaches that an implication of honor your father and mother necessarily means taking care of our parents who need it. So, as we think about this, 
We should think about the fact that we should honor our parents like we want our children to honor us. Honor your parents. Sometimes it can be very hard. Many of us have strange or difficult relationships with unbelieving or difficult parents. But nevertheless, honor your parents despite all their sins, despite all their faults. Honor them like you would want to be honored despite all of your sins and all of your faults. If you honor your parents, especially in the face of maybe their difficulties or their unbelieving life or attitude or things like that, if you honor them in the face of that, how much more likely it will be that your children will honor you when you get in that position. But most importantly, honor your father and mother because in doing so, that is honoring to God. And God has commanded it. And if we want to obey God, that's one way that we obey God. And we honor our parents because God has cared for you in an eternal way in Jesus Christ, despite all of your sins and despite all of your faults, which is far worse than your parents' mistakes and sins with you. So for all the grace that we have received, it is nothing in comparison to be able to show grace and love to our parents despite their sins. Think of what a testimony that this can be if you have unbelieving parents. Loving them as they have not loved you. Is that not a picture of the gospel itself? Is that not a testimony that you have received the grace of God, that you're loving them in a way they haven't loved you, that you're loving them in a way they have not taught you to love them? But instead, you're showing you've been taught of God how to love. You have a divine love which you can give, but your parents didn't give to you. See, we have failed to love and honor God as we ought to. And yet, despite our sins, despite our lack of love, despite our failures, he has loved us. He has stooped low to serve us, to um, care for us. In ways far beyond our comprehension, with a love that is far beyond what we deserve or could imagine. We actually do deserve to be cast out from the favorable presence of God for eternity. We actually deserve that. Our parents, despite what they've done to us, don't deserve that from us anyway. And yet we actually deserve that from God. And through Jesus Christ, instead of doing that, he came through his son lowly as a servant to serve sinners. That is insane. And yet it's God's love for us. And so if we have received that, then we can give just a small taste of that to our parents who maybe have failed miserably in their responsibility to us. The application of this principle of honoring your father and your mother I think we can see throughout the Bible, it extends beyond just our biological or even legal parents or relatives. Uh, Consider, uh, if you'd like to, look at Matthew chapter 12. So, as we have tried to answer the question, how do we honor our father and mother? Now we are looking at, well, who is our father and mother? Obviously, biologically, we know we have a father and a mother. We have maybe different legal parents or adopt, we're in an adoptive home and, we, and so we're made their children. 
but who else is our parents or who else is our relatives? Matthew 12, beginning in verse 46. While this is, uh, of course, Jesus here, that's going to be about. It says, while he, Jesus, was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So this is a very, very interesting passage. Jesus is what I would take and read as his biological mother and brothers are there asking to speak to him while he's busy with the crowds. And we read what happened. He said, well, who, he asked, as Jesus does, he asked the question, who are actually my, my brother, my mother and brothers? And he tells us, it's those who do the will of my father in heaven, these disciples here are my true spiritual relatives. And so from this, I just want you to see that there is such a thing as legitimate spiritual family. And as such, we have legitimate obligation to them as well. Not necessarily in the same ways, not in the same ways, but we have legitimate spiritual family with legitimate obligation to them as well. Jesus said, those who do the will of the Father... That's our mother, brother, and sister. This is family in a shared faith through Christ. Jesus was saying here to this man who came to to pull him away from the people to his other mother and uh, brothers. Jesus was saying to this man that, well, hold on. I have an obligation to these here in front of me as well, just as my biological family. This is a profound teaching from Jesus. This command then to honor our father and mother would necessarily imply an extension to, of course, our heavenly father, God above us. But so above all, we're to honor him, to to honor our father means especially to honor our heavenly father most of all. But it would also extend to our spiritual family. We're likewise to honor our Mothers in the faith, so to speak, our brothers, our sisters in the faith. We're likewise, in other words, to honor the church, honor faithful men who have come before us. And uh, it's true, we, there are many errors in Roman Catholicism or Eastern Orthodoxy and worship and veneration of the saints or church fathers or the raising of ecclesiastical authority above what it ought to be above the authority of Scripture or things like that. And those are great errors we don't want to participate in. Uh, However, we should not reject them the idea that we ought to honor the church. We ought to honor fathers in the faith, so to speak, mothers, brothers, and sisters in the church. And we can do that. The Bible is teaching us here by commanding us to honor uh, elders in the church or our, our spiritual uh, mother, sister, brothers, that we can honor them truly without falling into those errors. And so certainly the Bible calls us to honor other people, which means we can honor them without falling into Roman Catholic errors or things like that. 
Paul himself even uses this familial motherly language in speaking about his ministry to the Thessalonian church. Um, as he says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, Paul says, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So here the apostle says, we're like, we're like a spiritual mother to you and how we cared for you. Therefore, if, if that's the, uh, a type of the relationship, there ought to be honor that goes with that. Indeed, the faithful church in many ways is like a mother to the brothers, so to speak. And so in that way is deserving of honor. The command, as we read in Exodus 20, to honor our father and mother also contains this promise. It says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So in the first instance, we understand that we have here a covenant promise, a covenant specific promise that if they obey this command, if they honor their father and mother, then God says that they will live long in the land that he is giving to them. So that's the land he's promised, the land flowing of milk and honey, the land of Canaan. If you honor your father, if you keep these commands, this command is particularly, then you will live long in this land. And what do we see throughout Israel's history? They're like in and out of the land, in and out of exile because of their rebellion and disobedience to God's commands. So how do we understand this promise? We understand it first in the covenant uh, situation in which it's given. Uh, This promise, even for Israel, even for them, was a national covenantal promise. Even for them, it was not a guarantee for every single individual. There still would have been Um, infants or newborns or young children dying in Israel from time to time that weren't necessarily as a result of breaking this command. Uh, They just, that was simply God's providence and ordination for their life. And so it wasn't necessarily a promise for every single individual, but it was a national covenantal uh, uh, promise, national covenantal issue here. So, Despite the fact that there could be individuals who would die and not live long, not because they disobeyed, but just because of God's providence. Nevertheless, for the nation of Israel, the mystery of God's providence in that did not negate the very real reality of this promise for them. That if they obeyed it, they would live long in the land. And if not, they'd be taken out of it or die younger. Sometimes they did die for breaking this command or were taken out of the land. For breaking this command. And we know specifically that this command is in view for their punishments at various times. The prophet Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel, he pronounces judgment on Israel because, he writes, they dishonored their fathers and mothers. So this promise of living long in connection to honoring your parents is, is seen in Israel's history. It's seen throughout the Proverbs, for example, as well as the inverse of it. If you don't listen, you're a foolish son. So this promise contained here in the fifth commandment, which is the law of the covenant, is also seen not only in those places in their history, in their Proverbs, but also in the case laws of Israel. Consider uh, a law that we find in Deuteronomy 21. If you want to look there, Deuteronomy 21 
verse 18 and following. It says, If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of his city, this is our son. This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst and all Israel shall hear and fear. So that's kind of a case law example of the breaking of this command and the promise that came with it. That if you obey it, long life comes to you in the land. But if you disobey, death or taking out of the land comes. And it's built into even their civil uh, laws, societal uh, laws. So while this is a covenant-specific promise with specific application in Israel's civil laws, I do believe that there is a general principle here that we see in play in all ages, even today. And for example, if you heed the wisdom of your parents and their instructions for you are for your good, they're for you to have success in life and be blessed and and to prosper, if you obey those good instructions of of your parents, um, what do you think is going to happen, generally speaking? The results that come from that are going to be good. If you disobey them, and you live recklessly as a young person, and you live in all kinds of reckless sins, um, there are many ways in which you could die young because you have disobeyed the instructions of your parents. Or another example of how this might be a general principle to keep in mind is that if you honor your older parents, if you're an adult, you honor your older older parents, You bring them into your house in their old age. You take care of them well. You let them experience the joys of being around their grandchildren and all the life and vibrancy that comes from a house full of children. Then what's going to happen for your older parents? Well, they're probably, practically, naturally speaking, going to live a little bit longer and a little better in their older age than if they were taken to a cold, sterile nursing home with strangers without children. They're probably going to live longer if they're taken in a vibrant Christian home like that. And so if you do that, you're then teaching your children to do that for you. And thus, potentially, really extending your own life, so to speak. We cannot know God's secret will for our lives, but these are general proverbs, if you will. Finally, let us consider Jesus himself. Did Jesus obey his parents? Did he, uh, more importantly, in terms of this command, did he honor his father and his mother? There's an interesting passage um, that some people might be a bit confused by in reading it at first glance, but it's Luke chapter 2, if you want to look there. Luke chapter 2. Uh, beginning in verse 41. This is talking about Jesus as a young boy. He's not a baby. He's not a man yet. He's a boy. 
Luke 2, beginning in verse 41. Now his parents, Jesus' parents, went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. So did Jesus... Did he dishonor his parents here in this occasion and causing them this stress of not knowing where he was? Did Jesus honor and obey his earthly father and his mother? Well, the short answer is yes, he absolutely did obey them and he absolutely honored them. He never once dishonored them or sinned against them. He perfectly obeyed and honored them. The perfect son perfectly obeyed his sinful parents. And that, just by the way, boys and girls, shows you that you can obey your parents even when they sin against you. That's exactly what Jesus did his whole life. But as we read this passage, sometimes people can be confused by it, wondering how was it that Jesus still honored his parents when they were looking for him and they couldn't find him? They didn't know where he was. They were worried about him. How was it that that was honoring to his parents? Because it seems here as if Mary delivers this rebuke of Jesus uh, for what he did. Yet, Jesus' answer shows us that he was not only maintaining honor to his earthly father and mother, but he was first honoring his heavenly father, being in his father's house. He says to his parents, you should have known this. And we must know this is said in an honorable way. You should have known that I must be in my father's house. Jesus, as the Messiah, as a boy growing in wisdom and stature, knowing who he is and his role to save his people from their sins, knew his responsibilities and his commands from his heavenly father and knew that he must be here in this temple at this time um, in his father's house. That's what he says. Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? He was exactly where he must be, where he should have been, honoring his heavenly father. And his parents should have known that, Jesus implies. He was right where he was supposed to be. It's interesting, uh, one pastor I've mentioned before, Doug Van Dorn, he even suggests here in this passage that Mary's rebuke of Jesus was not really her saying that he has sinned, but it was as if she herself was worried that Jesus had possibly broken this fifth commandment. 
Since she knew that her son was to be the savior of his people from their sins, she's worried, Did, has my son messed up here and dishonored us? And Jesus assures her that he had not sinned. Whether she thought that way or not, Jesus assures her he was right where he was supposed to be. And the text tells us, as we read, that he was submissive to his parents. And Mary seems to understand this while yet being amazed and not understanding because it says she treasured these things in her heart. So not only did Jesus the boy perfectly honor his father and mother, but Jesus as the dying man, the dying God man on the cross, honored his mother. Remember the passage from John 19 as Jesus was on the cross suffering, nearing his final breath. He's there bleeding upon the tree and he looks upon his mother Mary who is there with his beloved disciple John and some others and he instructs his disciple John to care for his mother. He says, woman, behold your son and then behold your mother. Joseph, of course, his earthly father having already died. And so in his dying breath, suffering for the sins of the world, for all his people, Jesus maintains honor for his mother when we could very much understand why maybe it might not be the first priority on his mind. Yet Jesus, it does not escape his mind, even in great suffering, that he has to take care of his mother and make sure that she's taken care of. And that's what he does. He makes sure that she's taken care of by the disciple whom he loved, one of his dearest and closest. We also see throughout Jesus' life and ministry that he perfectly honored his Father in heaven and glorified him. As Jesus prays to the Father in John 17, verse 4, he says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So just as Jesus honored the Father, the Bible tells us, so the Father honored the Son. So that to truly honor your Father means to honor our Heavenly Father, and to truly honor our Heavenly Father means to honor the Son, whom He honors, Jesus Christ. This is exactly what Jesus says in John 5, 22 and 23. Jesus said this, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. That's the words of Jesus. This was, imagine being a Pharisee, a Jewish Pharisee, hearing these words. It was such a hard statement for them to hear. Jesus was saying that if you truly keep the fifth commandment, if you truly honor your Father and keep the fifth commandment, then you will honor me because I'm the Son, Jesus said. That was a hard thing for them to hear that many of them could not obey, could not hear and accept because they were being told that in rejecting Jesus, they were breaking the Ten Commandments. They were breaking the Fifth Commandment. Thus, Jesus, of course, making himself divine and they had a big problem with that. But this is hard for any of us, not just the Jews of Jesus' day, the Pharisees of his day. It's hard for us. To know that if we want to honor God, the Father, that means we can't do that without honoring the Son whom He honors. That's hard for any man in his flesh. Do you realize that every false religion rejects the Son? 
rejects Jesus Christ. While many false religions say that they worship and honor one God, one divine, sovereign God, even creator God, some of them, they yet reject the Son, and therefore they actually dishonor the God they claim to worship because they've rejected the Son, whether it's Judaism or Islam or Joe's Witness or a number of other false religions. They have one God, but it's not the true God. They've not honored the Father because they have not honored the Son. True religion, true obedience to God is only done through Jesus Christ, the Son. Why is this the case? It's because he is the only son who perfectly honored the father. And he did so on our behalf. Because we cannot honor God perfectly, we then need the obedience of another. Otherwise, we've broken the law. Jesus was the perfect son who was, how was the perfect son treated? The one guy, the one God man, the one person who perfectly honored his father and mother heavenly and earthly, perfectly, he was the one treated as if he were a rebellious son. Remember the, the law that we read in Deuteronomy 21. That was part of their laws. Israel's law demanded that rebellious sons, dishonoring sons, were to be put to death. And what does Jesus do? Perfectly honors the father, and yet he's put to to death in the place of rebel sons, as if he were the rebel son, bearing our rebellion on himself, bearing the judicial penalty of the law on himself, so that we who are actually rebel sons might be counted as perfect, good, honoring sons. We are the rebellious sons deserving of death. The way that we don't get that, the only way we don't get that, is the perfect son stepping in our place, taking the penalty for us, and he did. And in doing so, as, as we read, it's a command of the promise. When Jesus did this, taking the penalty of the rebellious son, even though he was the perfect son, what was the result? Yes, he died with the penalty, but then he rose from the dead. He was raised from the dead. He took that curse and penalty of a cut-off life, but through the power of God, was raised from the dead unto everlasting life, never to die, thus receiving that promise, a long life in the land, if you will. And so we, in Jesus, we die in him and we rise with him to everlasting life, a long life forever in him. So if you have sinned against your parents, if you have dishonored your father and your mother, no matter how old or young you are and you have your sins can absolutely be forgiven through Jesus, the perfect son. If you have experienced maybe earthly consequences of dishonoring your parents, maybe in different ways you've suffered from disobeying their good wisdom, you can be forgiven, restored. You can receive still yet every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You can be redeemed and restored from your error and your foolishness. So honor your Father today by honoring the Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Son, whom you have loved, you have 
honored him through his honoring of you and given him to us. Pray that his work would be real and effectual in each of our lives, that we would be impressed with the need to honor our father and mother, most importantly, through honoring you. Pray that we would do that, that our children here would grow up doing that better than we have done and help us to do so where we can today. And we we thank you for your grace toward us. And we ask that you would continue to make this word work us over and make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.